Well, good afternoon. Lieutenant Governor Roden, Mr. Speaker, members of the House and the Senate, and my fellow South Dakotans. Today, before I begin, I would like to thank some folks that put a lot of work into this budget proposal today. Behind me, up above me, is my Bureau of Finance and Management, the folks at the Department of Revenue, and they are the ones that have spent an incredible amount of time over the last year putting together these numbers, preparing for today, making sure that our figures and our numbers were accurate, and giving us the right economic projections for the future so that we could plan and make investments wisely. I am so grateful for what they do for the state of South Dakota. They perform their work with excellence and would you all please stand and help me thank them for all the work that they do to help us here in the state of South Dakota. Thank you. Jim Terwilliger leads that bureau. He's a, called a commissioner. I call him Twigs. So that's his nickname, everybody. If you have any questions about data and information that you get, you can sure ask Twigs anytime. I also want to thank my family that's here today. Brian is here, the first first gentleman, but also he has brought with him his parents, Al and Sharon Nome. And I have the most wonderful, perfect father-in-law and mother-in-law. So if you would thank them so much for supporting me and for being here today. They're right over here at the back of the chamber. I would appreciate it. Thank you. Now today I'm going to present my budget to you for consideration. And this budget will cover the remainder of fiscal year 2023 and all of fiscal year 2024. Before I discuss our future, I want to remind you of where we have been and how we stand financially today. The last four years, we have made South Dakota the strongest state in America. We lead the nation in almost every single economic metric. Our personal income growth is number one in the country. And over the last year, both our new housing development and our new business applications have been the best in America. Our kids lead the nation in educational outcomes, and we are breaking tourism records year after year. This past year, our unemployment rate has been the lowest that it has ever been in history. Today, we have less than 700 people in the state of South Dakota that are on unemployment. Our population is expanding at 10 times the national average, and I will continue to recruit freedom-loving Americans to come join us here in South Dakota, particularly those that can fill our high-demand job positions that we need. My budget today will help address a lot of those workforce challenges that we have as well. Now, South Dakota's government is small, but it's effective. While we've grown, we've also been fiscally responsible. We've had the best funded pension plan in the country. We continue to have a triple-A credit rating and we balance our budget. I 
I recognize that taxpayer dollars are not our own, that they belong to the people of South Dakota. We all must remember throughout our budget discussions that this money belongs to the hardworking people of South Dakota. In South Dakota, our state motto is, under God the people rule. And those aren't just words that we say. We believe them. We take action on them. And we must for the future security of our great state. Frankly, the irresponsibility of the federal government demands it. No nation in history has ever survived the tax burden and the spending spree that this White House is proposing. They haven't balanced the federal budget in decades. Congress continues to raise the debt limit with no plan for spending, and leaders in Washington, D.C. print money only to turn it into debt and go into debt with foreign entities that are our enemies. Then they declare that they must reach into the pockets of everyday Americans and grab more of their earnings to keep us safe, ensure law and order, and to subsidize programs designed to enslave families to government. We have seen the incredible power grab of these leaders the past few years. They have used unconstitutional actions and the enticement of more money to take unprecedented action, to make people more dependent, to make people weak and apathetic. It is irresponsible and it is wrong. That is not how we run our state. We make the hard decisions. We recognize that a limited government respects people and their dollars. And that's the best way to preserve the American dream for our children and for our grandchildren. We don't make decisions that only benefit us today. We look far into the future and we realize the ramifications of our decisions and make the hard choices so that future South Dakotans have the chance to grow up in a place of opportunity and freedom. Now the nation is watching how this body makes decisions. That may not have been true five or 10 years ago. Whether you like it or not, people now know where South Dakota is. They see this state as a beacon of hope, a place of liberty. How you decide to govern, how you budget, and you communicate to our people will be watched. It will be evaluated, and it will be judged. Has your job gotten easier with more revenue? I would say no. It is much harder. We must be disciplined to protect our people from an expansion of government in our lives through new programs and subsidies. Let's not forget that government should be beholden to the people and not the other way around. Our founding fathers did not believe in a centralized government. They believed in the rights of individuals and their ability to govern themselves. Now our state is bringing in incredible revenue. People are making more money, our businesses have expanded, we have recruited new industries, and that's because of the way that we have followed our state's motto under the God the People rule. We have permanently grown our state's economy. We've lived through unprecedented challenges since I've been your governor. We've had a bomb cyclone, a pandemic, a derecho. Make no mistake, this economic growth, it's an unprecedented event as well. We must be leaders who protect South Dakota's way of life as we look into the future. Now on November 8th, the people of this great state gave us a mandate. They turned out in record-breaking numbers to make sure that we in this building heard from them loud and clear. They demand low taxes, less regulation, and more freedom. They were also very clear that they want us to take care of people and to create opportunities to succeed. As governor, I will continue to listen to our people. 
I will guide our decisions and our uh, discussion based on my constitutional authority. We have $423 million in reserves. Historically, our goal is to keep 10% of these funds in reserve. Since I've been governor, we have almost doubled that number. We ended last year with a record-breaking budget surplus of $115.5 million. That historic surplus in fiscal year 2022 was largely thanks to sales and use tax receipts growing by more than 12% over the prior fiscal year. So in fiscal year 2023, sales and use taxes have grown by another 14.1%. Early indications for November have us beating revenue projections by another 58.8 million, putting us up 135.3 million fiscal year to date. Sales tax alone is running 81.8 million ahead of the estimates, the estimates that you adopted. In South Dakota, we know that we have to prepare for the future. And let me be clear, we have done everything we can to help our state be successful. However, economists indicate that there will be challenges ahead. Bad policies are coming out of Washington, D.C. that will unleash a recession on this country. We will be impacted. Earlier this year, our country had two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. The Federal Reserve's increase of interest rates is another indicator that a recession is on the horizon. But South Dakota's growth in tax revenues continue because our state's economy is in a far better position than the nation as a whole. Economists expect that the upcoming recession will be primarily investment-led. They expect that our unemployment rate will remain low, and they don't expect that consumer spending will be heavily impacted. Those factors affect how we're going to budget here in our state. In my budget today, I'm keeping our revenue projections for the future very conservative. The people of South Dakota deserve safe planning that protects them from future tax increases or drastic cuts to state services. We expect that there will be $310 million in ongoing revenue available for fiscal year 2024. We're anticipating that $216 million in one-time revenue will be available for the upcoming fiscal year as well. The budget that I am proposing to you today, it invests every single one of those revenues wisely. Eliminating the sales tax on groceries is the biggest way that my, in my budget that we can help South Dakotans tackle the challenge of Joe Biden's inflation and protect their hard-earned money. Unfortunately, food costs have risen by far too much. Families are struggling to make ends meet as a result of that. You've heard me talk before about the rapid increases that we've seen in the cost of milk and ground beef and eggs, other groceries. Eggs themselves have increased over 140% of what they were a year ago. Even South Dakota is having our best personal income growth. Still then, even our families' budgets are not keeping up. We can grow those incomes of every single family even more by letting them keep more hard-earned dollars in their pockets. Now, gas prices continue to increase because of President Biden's energy policies and new regulations, new taxes, a lack of utilization of American energy sources, a dwindling reserve. They all indicate to us that that trend will continue. Senior citizens, working parents, single moms, Every single South Dakotan right now is paying more for their food, for their gas, to heat their home. 
Their family finances are struggling under the strain, and over the last 10 years, Americans, typically on average, would save, put into their savings account, 7 to 8% of their monthly income on average. During the pandemic, their savings was 20 to 30% per month that they put in to prepare for the future. Right now, they're saving less than 4% because almost every single dollar that they make is going to pay their monthly bills to buy food and to pay their gas costs and their bills. They are no longer saving money for college to buy a new house or a new car. They're just barely getting by. We need to give them relief, and we can do so by giving them a $100 million tax cut by eliminating the sales tax on groceries. We have $310 million in permanent revenue growth. We still, even after this tax cut, will have $208 million that will be available to us to meet the needs that the state government is responsible for. We have been exceeding estimates by about $25 million per month. The people of South Dakota overwhelmingly want this tax cut, and they know that we can afford it. Now remember, our revenues are strong because we've grown our economy. It has the strongest in the nation results that we have been able to see. People have moved their families, they have moved their jobs, and they've moved their businesses to South Dakota. Our new housing developments are here to stay. New industries are thriving. The jobs of the future are right here in South Dakota. And once again, we have the fastest growing incomes in America. This growth is sustainable, it is permanent, and there won't be a better opportunity in the future to do this tax cut. My team and I are fully confident that this is the right tax cut at the right time, and I want your help to get it done. Now, Medicaid expansion... Medicaid expansion passed on the ballot, and therefore, it will be implemented. In every other state where Medicaid expansion was passed, the costs exceeded their expectations. That's why this past year, we did our homework, we researched those states, we consulted with experts to put together this budget plan to ensure that the law would be followed. The federal government incentivizes states to implement Medicaid by subsidizing costs the first few years. After that, the burden is going to fall on the state. The first year, the cost for Medicaid expansion will be $66 million. The state's responsibility will be $13 million because the rest will be covered by the federal government. In the second year, the cost will be $70 million, and the state will pay $16 million of that. After that, the responsibility for the program falls to us. We expect that the cost of Medicaid expansion will be $66 million in year one, that in year two, it will be just under 70 million, and it will rise to a cost of more than $80 million by year five. Now make no mistake, the expansion of Medicaid, as it was passed on the November ballot in South Dakota, is an expansion of a government program. It will give free health care to a population in our state that the majority of them are able-bodied single males. Our goal and policy should always be to give people the opportunity to have more freedom in health care options not government-run programs. Let's keep that in mind in the coming days and give people the dignity and the responsive and responsible health care that they can control, not the government. There are on 
ongoing budget increases that we address every single year in the legislature. State statute requires that we address state aid to education, that we also take care of state employees and health care providers. This year, I am recommending a 5% increase for all three, which is almost double what is required by state statute. A few years back, the legislature, they created a process to establish a rate-setting methodology for health and human service providers. This would affect those services that are delivered by community-based providers. This methodology, it reflects a reasonable amount that we should pay for services that are provided. Now, unfortunately, as the cost of living has increased, reimbursement rates for many of these services have struggled to keep pace. Today, I am recommending that we invest $22 million in targeted increases to reimburse at least 90% of the reasonable rate to all of these providers for their services. Now, some have fallen really far behind. To get to 90%, we will need to give 21% increases to our nursing homes a 17% increase to community support providers for South, Dakota's, South Dakotans with developmental dis disabilities, and a 26% increase for psychiatric residential treatment facilities. Now these providers are critical to our state, and they ensure that we can take care of some of those among us that are vulnerable, that need the services and depend on the services. We must address the fact that we are having a very difficult time also recruiting state employees. Today, they're falling behind industry, and we often train people for their positions only to have them leave for jobs elsewhere. My budget has $11 million in targeted pay increases for specific job areas and $11 million in added benefits to ensure that state government has the workforce that it needs to carry out the critical services that are necessary for us to fulfill those responsibilities. I want to remind someone else of everyone here of something else. It's one thing that the media forgets to cover every single year. The governor and the legislature do not decide where all of these dollars go that are in these 5% increases that go to education and healthcare providers. We don't decide how those are spent. I would encourage all of you and all of them to talk about putting as much of these dollars in, into pay increases as they possibly can. South Dakota has the fastest growing incomes in the country, but if you don't continue to invest in your workers, in your providers, or in your teachers, they are going to find good paying jobs somewhere else, and we need them. We need them here in this state. Because of President Biden's inflation, building projects that have already received your legislative approval are coming in far over budget. I'm recommending $25.6 million in one-time funding to finish these critical projects that we've already started. This request includes a $13 million increase for the state public health lab, a $7 million in increase to the Board of Regents projects that we completed and approved last year, and $6 million to the DECS, or the Dakota Events Complex at the State Fair. All of these projects have received your prior legislative approval, and they need to be completed. <laughs> Margaret, Margaret Thatcher once famously said, that there is no such thing as society. 
there are individual men and women, and there are families. Well, amen, sister. We have talked here about building stronger families since I've been your governor. When I became your governor, I implemented paid family leave for state employees. We told state employees that if they were bringing a new child into their home, whether by birth or by adoption, that the state would cover 60% of their pay via paid family leave. Today I'm announcing that we will be extending that benefit to cover 100% of pay for state employees. That will cost us $3 million in ongoing funds. One of the biggest challenges facing our state overall is workforce. Too often new parents have to leave the workforce when a new child joins their family. Those early days are so crucial to give moms and dads the opportunity to bond with the new child. By extending paid family leave opportunities, we can help those workers and we can help families. To do this, I'm including a $20 million one-time incentive spread out over four years to incentivize private businesses to buy into a new paid family leave opportunity. We will also be supporting mothers and families through funding for adoption, for pregnancy and postpartum care for Medicaid patients. We'll also be funding scholarships for foster children, and you'll hear more details about each of these proposals in my State of the State address in January. But it isn't just birth and adoption where our families need our help. We can strengthen families by continuing to help them through some tough circumstances too. Over the last couple of years, you have helped invest in regional behavioral crisis centers. Too often when someone is experiencing a mental health crisis, they just end up in jail or in an emergency room. That isn't how we get people the help that they need. It isn't a responsible use of taxpayer dollars. These facilities will help these individuals get better care as soon as possible and much closer to home. We've built these facilities in communities across our state. You remember that two years ago, we funded facilities in Pennington County and in Watertown. Last year, you provided another $15 million to expand these regional facilities statewide. Well, you, be, you built the buildings, and now we need to fund the operations. My budget proposes $5.6 million in ongoing revenue to these regional facilities to get individuals the help that they need sooner than they are today. It will not only be better care, it will also be much more efficient, and it'll be much more cost-effective than what we're doing. The The final way that this budget is going to continue to build on South Dakota's strengths is by investing in our public safety and our infrastructure. These are the core functions of state government. Over the last four years, we have made tremendous progress and improvement in our infrastructure. We've repaired dams, roads, bridges. We built railroads to help support South Dakota's incredible growth. My budget continues to guarantee our state's public safety as well. South Dakota has set itself apart as a place that respects law enforcement. We respect our military. We realize that our people can't enjoy this state's tremendous freedom if they're not safe in their homes and in our streets. Last year, we started the hard work of addressing the challenges within the Department of Corrections and in our prison system. We put $86 million into an incarceration construction fund, and we funded $3.8 million for land and design costs for a new women's minimum security prison out in Rapid City. The new incarceration task force has agreed with all of those recommendations. The engineering and design process came back with dollar figure estimates, and updated population projections indicate 
that we're going to need 300 beds at this new women's facility. The cost estimate for construction is $200,000 per bed, or $60 million total. Now, we can cover this cost with the money that you set aside in the Incarceration Construction Fund. My budget reflects that. But we also need to address the state penitentiary. We know it's outdated. We know it's not compliant with ADA requirements, and it's overcrowded. It's been an issue not just this year, but long before I was your governor. I'm recommending that we take the same multi-year approach that you've taken with the women's prison in Rapid City. My budget includes $52 million in funding to purchase land and to conduct engineering and design for a new facility. $27 million of that will come from the remaining dollars that are in the Incarceration Construction Fund, and $25 million will be from one-time general funds. I'm recommending that we transfer excess funds that are above and beyond the traditional 10% in reserves and address the situation. You remember we talked about that when we put excess dollars at the 12% and 14% last year that we needed to do so to prepare for this type of a build. We have to always been able to do what is our responsibility here in the state of South Dakota, but we also have a responsibility to not just build the prisons that we need to keep people safe and to do and care for them well while they are in our responsibility, we also need and have a responsibility to secure people's personal information. We can't do that with our current operational system that we're using in state government today. Our state's accounting and our software system is 35 years old. It's vulnerable to hackers, and it is in danger of crashing in the future. Imagine using the same computer that you used 35 years ago. Many of you wouldn't even dream of it, yet our state is still doing that. Also, we have no backup for this outdated system, which is a major security system when it comes uh, to people's personal information, and it comes with incredible liabilities as well. Think about all of our agencies and all the personal information that they are responsible to help secure for the people of South Dakota. For instance, the Department of Health and all the healthcare information that they hold for individuals. Think about social services and their casework. Think about child protective programs, to name a few. Now we have and need technology systems that will ensure privacy for all of our citizens. Every single hour, our state servers encounter thousands of hacking attempts. We need a system that will ensure privacy for all of our citizens. It will take us four years and $70 million in one-time funding to replace this accounting system, but we have to get it done. We don't wanna look back and wish that we had taken this threat seriously. My budget also provides one-time funding to upgrade the state's emergency alert system and to upgrade remaining state radio infrastructure to support our law enforcement. Now, they are our heroes, but they have to have the tools and the equipment that they need to continue to serve our state. Our National Guard service every day and we can do more to support them as well. Currently, the state covers 50% of tuition if a Guard member attends a Board of Regents institution. We cover about 80% of tuition if they attend one of our state technical colleges. I want to take both of those numbers to 100%. We should fully support the men and women of our National Guard as they pursue their education and they serve our state and our country.
We're also going to address the needs of finishing the Sioux Falls Readiness Center. And we're going to be providing $8 million in additional federal fund authority to help them complete that project. I'm also supporting $29 million in federal fund authority for the field maintenance shop for the National Guard in Watertown. And this will help us get more of our readiness capabilities in the same location. Now, I love South Dakota. It is a beacon of hope for the rest of the nation, for what is possible when you follow conservative principles and fiscal responsibility. We have become a success story because we keep government limited and we live within our means. Our blessings don't just happen to us. Oh yes, God is good all the time, all the time. But we have choices to make that will come with consequences for generations to come. If we are wise, we will preserve for our children the last best hope on earth. If we fail, well, Ronald Reagan defined that type of failure as sentencing our children to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Well, I have faith that we will be up to the task at hand, that we will remember the sacrifices of our founding fathers, the blood shed by the greatest generation so that you can be here in this chamber today, and the commitment of our deployed military who stand right now in harm's way so that we can be free. We have no idea what hard is. What they did, what they do, that's hard. We are lucky. We are honored. We are blessed. Let us never forget that. And let's get to work. Merry Christmas.